Fitness Pro Mentors Minds on Muscle podcast. We're restarting this bad boy because apparently I accidentally logged out of the computer and logged it back in. Brandon, as you can see, is not here today because he is actually getting ready for his Portugal excursion. He's being asked to do some presenting on marketing and also some of the post-activation potentiation stuff he's becoming known for. So he's out today getting ready for all of that. And I am doing the podcast a la carte. I'm solo. Today, we're talking all about data. Data is very close and near and dear to my heart. I never used to be a big data guy, but it is such an important thing to be talking about because ultimately, the value that you give to people is the experience plus the results. And if you don't have the right data, you're not gonna be making the best decisions. You might not even be getting your client closer towards their goals, and as a result, these people that you're training, that you're working with, they start leaving you because they're not getting what they need. And so today we're talking all about data, different kinds of data you can collect both working with your client and for your business. And we're talking about how you might use that information to ultimately provide a better experience, get a better result, charge more money, and essentially have the dream a career that you've always wanted. So when we look at data here, there's a couple different ways we can look at it and parse it out. There is going to be objective data, which is really what we want to be lying on the crux of, and there's going to be more subjective data, which is kind of our interpretation or more looser metrics. And I look at objective data when it comes to, let's say, our business. We're talking about things like the amount of hours that you're working, how many consultations did you book, how many assessments did you book. These hard numbers will indicate the health of your business. We talk about more subjective data. We're looking at more like our interpretation. How do I feel my business is going? Do I think this is working the way I want it to? How am I taking a look and seeing and feeling out my business? So when it comes to this data collection process here and we're thinking about our business end of things, I really wanna encourage everybody to do one thing if they're not already doing that. And that's to track the amount of new people that you're meeting every week, the amount of these people that turn into triage calls over the phone, the amount of these triage calls that come into initial meetings or consultations, depending on what you call them, those consultations and meetings into assessments and assessments ultimately into new clients. And the reason we want this data is because we can see, based on these numbers, where we're converting very, very well or where we might need to be working to improve our business. If I can see that of the limited number of people that come in to see me for consultations, they end up becoming new clients, that's fantastic. I know that my sales is great and I'm doing a really good job figuring out what they need and show them how I can solve that problem. However, if I'm not getting a lot of new people in there, there's probably a big issue with my marketing. I might not be being seen by enough people, so I need to work on that. So this objective data in terms of hours that you're working, consultations, all that kind of stuff, is pretty important for the health of your business. Likewise, and really what I want the crux of this conversation to be about is data and how we look at it and use it when we work with our clients. Now, ultimately, when it comes to working with our people, the reason they're gonna stick around is because the experience and the results are, that they're getting outweigh the amount of money they're putting into the process. If they are getting amazing results, but their experience is terrible, they're out. If they really love the experience, but they're not getting results, they're gone. We'd have both things to make sure that our business has, is a high quality business and has lots of life to it, meaning we're booked full and we start raising our rates. And so this data is super important to help drive a whole bunch of the different decisions that we're gonna make with the clients. So when I look at data here, I really wanna break it down into two different, two different ways. 
How do we look at it from the technical aspect, the decision-making aspect, the in-session aspect? And then how do we use it also for things like retention and to provide a better experience? So let's talk about the decision-making process first. If you are a one-to-one -one personal trainer, your job is to solve a physical problem for the person in front of you that's, that's tied to some kind of emotional pain that they have. So for example, you might have a 30-year-old father in who wants to add muscle and lose body fat because he feels insecure in his body because he used to be a former athlete. He's never been this overweight before and felt this weak. Likewise, you might have someone who's got shoulder pain and discomfort. Looks like they are in great shape, right? Looks like it. But they can't do something simple like lifting the arm up overhead without excruciating amounts of pain. And that makes them feel weak. They can't do the workouts that they want to and that saps their quality of life. And so really, we wanna make sure that we're collecting all sorts of data so you can make sure we're helping these people move and feel their best. So the first question we start to ask ourselves is, when it comes to the goals that these people have and the tools that I'm gonna be using to help them, resistance, what kind of data do I need to collect? If you're working with aesthetic people, do we need things like body weight and body fat percentage? Absolutely, because how else are we gonna be knowing if these people make progress? Sure, we can go with the subjective, the clothes are looser, which is nicer, they're down a pant size, not bad. However, it really helps to have a subjective data. So if they're losing weight and if they're feeling better, and if the numbers show they were at 50% body fat last month and now they're down to 14 or 13, yeah, you're making some real amazing progress. That's absolutely fantastic. Likewise, if we're gonna be working with people and our goals help them move better with less pain and discomfort, we have to know what kind of data we need in order to identify where maybe these pains and discomforts are coming from. And openly, there's a lot of different data that you could collect. You could do posture in any number of different positions, seated, standing, lying down, bent over, whatever that might be. You could also do some version of muscle testing. There's a lot of different ways to do it. There's brake testing where you ramp up so hard that somebody starts to lose the ability to hold the position. You could be trying to moderate and just apply the same amount of force to all different test positions to see can they hold it and have the rate of force development necessary to do that. And then you can also take a look and check out things like range of motion. How do they move on one side versus the other? What positions can they get into? What positions can they not get into? And how might that be influencing some of the discomfort they have in their body? And then from there, there's some of the different pieces of data that we can collect here at Strata. We've been really, really excited about using dynamometers recently because then we can check out force, uh, force, um, uh, force development left and to the right. So to give you an example, one of the things that we've started doing is started rigging up some of our machines with dynamometers. For example, we've got a Cybex trunk rotation machine here. And we can have people rotate all the way to the left as hard as they can, see how long they can hold it, and rotate all the way to the right-hand side hard as they can and see how long they can hold it. And you see some really cool data. I have a client, I will say AM, because those are her initials, and she's had some left side, low back discomfort. And lo and behold, when we did the same trunk rotation test, we saw how much, what was her max force uh, output and what was the time she could hold it. It looked like she had about a 30% difference on both when turning towards the right-hand side versus the left. So this is interesting. Because now I can take a look at this data and say, okay, it seems like the back is feeling better, but we've got this huge maximal voluntary contraction force output difference on the right-hand side. So you just can't generate that as much on the right as going to the left, but also the duration. 
And what's the implication of that? Well, if she's got a long day with her kids at a dance competition, her back starts bothering her around two or three o'clock. Well, wouldn't it be cool if we could take that data and start working on that right trunk rotation a little bit more, increase the endurance, increase the max force output and see what would happen. My hypothesis with all the other data that I have about her is that if we improve the endurance and the maximum output of these right trunk rotation muscles, then we would see a huge improvement in endurance and strength leading to less discomfort when she's at these all day standing competitions, going up tons of flights of stairs, bending over a lot to help her daughter, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of really different cool ways that you can use this dynamometer data. Other data that you might already be collecting that you can use would be sets and repetitions. And how would we, might we use this? Well, if we're doing, let's say, sub-maximal repetition test, we could set someone up in a leg extension, put a weight on there and say, okay, I want you to keep extending your right leg until you feel like you can't do any more with a full extension. And then we're gonna do the left-hand side and we're gonna see what the difference is. And lo and behold, somebody might end up going for 40 seconds on the right-hand side and do 20 repetitions, and they might go for 30 seconds on the left and do 16 repetitions. And now what can we do with this data? Well, inherently, right away, we know there's an endurance issue on that left-hand side because there's not as many repetitions, right? And so we can kind of reverse engineer here and say, okay, we'll probably have to work on that left leg output a little bit more. But there's other really cool stuff that you could do as well. If you know how many repetitions somebody did and how long that set lasted, you could do a math equation where you divide the repetitions by the amount of seconds and you can see what the average rep time was to complete that set. And it might look like, well, they could do uh, a repetition every 1.5 seconds on the right and a repetition every 1.2 seconds on the left. So is there a rate of force development um, issue going on here? What other ways can we use this data? And so the beautiful part about this is, is if you have data where you look at their posture, their range of motion, can they hold some of these muscle tests? What's their maximal output in terms of like poundages? How long can they hold that for? How does it take them to build up to that? You can really figure out where their issues are. One of the things that we've been exploring a little bit more recently here at Strata is when we've identified there's a joint that has an issue that is causing the rest of the system to not feel good, is it a rate of force development issue? Is it an endurance issue? Or is it a maximal uh, output issue? And if you can determine what that issue is and you can work on it specifically, that client will get the results much quicker than someone who you didn't collect that data with. Because the thing that breaks my heart more than anything else is when I see trainers just collect really two objective data points, sets and repetitions. Because those are only two real data points. One of the things I would suggest to you is to write out all the different tools that you have and all the different pieces of data that you can collect and see what you come up with. Because you can come up with some really cool stuff. We've already talked about a whole bunch of them. But in addition to sets, reps, different postures, rate of force development, maximal contraction, uh, endurance testing. You could also do a cardiovascular uh, respiratory test on a treadmill. You could also get subjective, since, uh, subjective uh, data about their sensations when they're doing exercise. You can collect any number of radiolog radiological reports for MRIs, for CT scans, for blood work. You don't have to know how to read them, but you can read the doctor's notes. And then on top of all this objective data, there's also subjective data that we could be collecting. And a lot of the subjective data, in my opinion, happens not just throughout the session, but also in that initial consultation. 
Because in that initial consultation, what you're trying to figure out is a whole host of different things. If you look at the Sandler sales system, Sandler says, well, we want to figure out, do these people have the money? Are they the decision maker? Do they have the emotional pain? Does my product solve whatever's causing that emotional pain? In our case, it's physical. These are all things that we want to find out through the Sandler model. However, there's other things that we want to know as well. We want to get to know the person in front of us. Because our job as personal trainers isn't necessarily to be the same person for everyone. It's to be a chameleon and match our personality with the client's preferences. I have people in my schedule who are 70-year-old ladies with knee and hip replacements and the way they want to be spoken to and the way they like the sessions to go and the way they like to be interacted with is different than my client who is 22 years old and wants to build more muscle. That client likes to bro a little bit more and use that bro-y language in which I engage to a certain degree while keeping it professional. But then my older clients, they want something a little bit different. They want that more of a traditional professional and they want me to act and look that way. And so I meet them at that spot. But we wouldn't know these things unless we spoke to them and we collected some of that subjective data during the consultation process. Other subjective information that we wanna know about is what is this person's objective? And we really want to know what their objective is. Because it's very easy for a person to say, well, I want to get stronger. You say, great, you write down, I want to get stronger. Do you know what stronger means to that person? Because I guarantee you, my 22-year-old client who wants bigger muscles, his idea of getting stronger is bigger muscles. My 75-year-old client with a knee replacement is I want to be able to walk again without a cane. Two totally different things. Which is why it's important that you collect as much data as you can, especially during that initial consultation that's subjective, so you can really figure out what is this person's fundamental objective and what data do I now need to collect objectively to get there? Because every client is gonna be different. The data you need to solve that problem is gonna be different and you better know which data you need to collect and which tools you need to use in order to get there. Because if you don't, it comes back to not providing the experience that they want or not having the right data to make the best decisions, which means suboptimal sessions, which means you can't charge as much, you can't help as many people, which means they don't get what they want and you don't get what you want, and then the professional relationship ends. Now this might be a bit more of a personal anecdote, but I truly believe this. When it comes to maintaining clients, when it comes to having them stay in your world and retaining them, it all starts with the data objective and subjective because a large part of retention is showing your clients how they've improved even if necessarily those subjective sensations haven't changed too much because here's one of the things is you might have somebody who in their psyche is very very stubborn where because they don't necessarily feel different changes to their body they may not feel like they're making progress but if you can objectively show them that they're improving and they're doing more their logical brain can't deny that. So to give you an example, you might have a client who you've been working with on a shoulder issue and the sensations might not have changed. They might have come in with a three out of 10 pain and discomfort in that shoulder when they started and they still have that three out of 10 pain and discomfort. And they might bring it up to you and say, well, Glenn, my shoulder doesn't feel much better. And to which you have to respond, I totally get that and I understand your concern. I don't want you to think that we're not trying to help you get better. Let me show you some of the results that I've seen on my end here. Well, objectively, when we take a look at this shoulder front pull-down exercise that we've been working on, 
what we're seeing here is that when we first started, that first time we did a set, you can only do 10 repetitions and it felt pretty hard for you. It was a four out of five challenge. You got 80% of the way and that's about as many repetitions you could get. Well now, four weeks later, we've up the rate 10 pounds and you're seeing you got a four out of five challenge, you get to 15 repetitions. So by my math, that's about a 20% increase in strength and endurance. That's pretty cool. And all of a sudden, the framework in their mind and their brain switches. Because you and I both know that sometimes people need more than a month of work to start seeing the results that they're looking for. Sometimes it can take a lot more time. We've got to be upfront with that, obviously. But if we can show them objectively how they're progressing, excuse me, that's pretty fantastic for retention. These are the kind of things that we're looking for. And so other things that come into play here, and a big part of the experience piece is the education. And if we have all these different tools and we know how to use them, we can tell clients why we're doing exercise, why we're collecting this data and how we're gonna use it. Hey Janice, today we're going to do this dorsiflexion exercise and we're gonna collect some data on the left versus right and see what the endurance is for time on the left foot versus the right foot. Just going at whatever comfortable pace feels good for you. And we're gonna see if there's a difference left to right. Because part of what I think is going on in your left knee here is your left dorsiflectors are not contributing enough. And because of that, the foot's hitting the ground a bit of a weird way and it's causing some of that knee discomfort that you're feeling. So let's take a look and see what happens. And all of a sudden, you get more buy-in for the client because the education you're providing has them understand that you know what you're talking about and because you said it in such a way that they understand as a layperson, they're bought into your process more. And so really, this is the beauty of data. The short of the long is, your decision-making process is driven by your data. And the more tools you have, and the better you know how to use them, the better data you can collect to make better decisions. And if you make better decisions, clients will get results quicker, which means you're worth more, which is good for you, because you can charge more, and good for them, because they get to where they want to go quicker. And if you know how to use that data and explain to clients why it's valuable and show them the results and compare past to present and then tell them what you're gonna do in the future, all of a sudden, you've got more buy-in, so you've got greater retention. And they want to keep working with you because they know what you're doing is working. And so data really, in my mind, is the crux of this whole process. I think back to when I first started as a trainer, all I knew how to do were sets and reps and girth measurements. I didn't even really know how to use them in my trainings. I would just use them as tools to see if there was progress. And now I can use them in all these sorts of different ways to help my clients move forward with their bodies. And so the short of the long is, I would encourage everybody to really take a look at their data processes and what they're using and how they're communicating that data to people to improve their business and their retention. It's really something that you should be doing every single session in some way, shape, or form, whether it's sets, reps, using dynamometers, doing some kind of endurance. You should be doing little micro-assessments, in my opinion, every session so you know how people are improving and how you ought to be changing the sessions in the moment to move forward. You've got to be able to triage and be malleable in your approach in order to deliver them the most value. So this was a little bit today on data, how I, ought, how I encourage you to look at it in terms of your personal business and the health of it, but also when you are working with clients. And you know, no, uh, no podcast would be complete without the pick of the week. So. I think we might have done this one a long time ago, but my pick of the week is going to be Bluetooth microphones. I've got one right here from DJI. You can't see it, but that's what it says on there. And what I'm actually doing 
from my own content and whatnot, because I think some of this stuff is valuable for clients to hear as well. I'm going to share it on my social media. I'm actually, I've actually got this, as you can see, you can see little bars going up and down here. I've actually got this tied to my iPhone, and I'm actually recording it through my Bluetooth mic onto my iPhone so that I can go through later on. Put that back down there. So I can go through this video later on and edit and chop it up for social media content because I want clients to understand the value of the data and why it's so important as a part of the process to help with my buy-in and also so that when future clients look at our social media posts, they can see how intensely data-driven we are to help them feel better sooner than anyone else in our little town. Uh, so it's great for content creation. Uh, this DGA, DJI mic is probably the highest end you can get. This little unit was 450 Canadian. There's ones you can get for $50 Canadian on Amazon. I'm sure the quality isn't as good. This system here comes with two microphones, as you can see, as well as a USB-C uh, clip on there, so you can hook it up to Android stuff as well. Um, huge recommendation of this product if you've got the money for high-end system. If not, Holly Marks got one for 220 Canadian, which is probably like 180, 190 American. And then, like I said, you can probably get other ones off Amazon for 30, 40 bucks if you just want to dip your toes in the water. And even if it doesn't work, you can always return it. So, everybody, this has been another episode of the uh, Minds on Muscle Show, part of the FPM Network. My name is Glenn. And I'm taking over this week for Brad, who's getting ready to do his presentation in Portugal. Hope you enjoyed this show. Please follow us on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us, and I will see y'all next week. You have to excuse me because I'm not really sure how to change the uh, video thing here. Maybe this one? I don't know. We got it, though, everyone. Have a great day.